Welcome to Frankly Judaic, a podcast that explores cutting-edge Judaic studies research conducted at the University of Michigan. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. For this episode, let's start off with a pop quiz. Name an accomplished Yiddish novelist. You have 10 seconds. Chances are you came up with Sholem Aleichem, maybe Isaac Besheva Singer. That wasn't too hard, right? But now, what if I asked you to name an accomplished female Yiddish novelist? Not so easy, is it? But if you're an expert on these matters, as our guest for this episode is, you would have lots of names to choose from. Celia Dropkin, Kaja Molodovsky, Shira Gorshman... This is Anita Norwich, Professor Emerita of English and Judaic Studies and a fellow at the Frankel Institute for Advanced Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. There are a number of reasons, she thinks, why most people haven't heard of these women. One finds what one is looking for. Because if, if, you, if your knowledge is, knowledge in large quotation marks, if your knowledge is that women didn't write novels, you, it's very easy to ignore the novels that they wrote. In fact, many of the novels that I found are written by very well-known women poets, women who are known as poets. Yiddish literature in particular, says Norech, has been coded as masculine. Shalom Aleichem, the, the name that everyone can rattle off, it referred to his prede- one of his predecessors, Mendelam Achisfarim, uh, Shin Yudabamovich was his real name, uh, referred to him as Der Zede, the grandfather. And it created, I think, a masculinized view of what good literature or important literature is in Yiddish. But Norwich doesn't think this is a straightforward case of misogyny. I, I think of it simply as ignorance, which, you know, misogyny is a form of. I don't think that these men who were writing criticism or editing journals were anti-women writing literature. I mean, the, the things that I found were, in fact, in the journals and in the publication houses uh, of major presses, major Yiddish presses. But I, I think the problem is more in criticism than it is uh, in, in literature itself. The women whose work Norwich studies and translates into English mostly started publishing Yiddish novels, novellas, and short stories in the early 1900s. Most were born in Eastern Europe, and some eventually immigrated to the U.S. or other countries. So what kinds of topics did these women write about? Norwich points out the inherent sexism in even asking this question. It's not a question that's ever asked of male writers, right? What are your themes? What are the themes that men write about? And in fact, the answer for women is, is, the, way, is, is the same as it would be for men. They write about the issues of the day, the issues about which men were writing too. To call them domestic novels, for example, is only accurate if by domestic what you really mean is the desire to build a home, to fashion a life in the face of the revolutions and wars and economic challenges that are common to men and women of the period. Having said that, Norwich notes that many of the works she's encountered by Yiddish female novelists have a feminist bent. A lot of these works are a lot more clear, a lot more explicit about 
sexuality, about abortion, about what we think of as, as particularly women's issues, but they're always in the context of a broader social world. Still, many of these works deal with universal themes that would feel relevant to any reader. The one that I'm translating right now is also by a very well-known Yiddish poet, a couple of whose stories have been translated. But this is a woman named Celia Dropkin, who wrote a, a novel in 1934, serialized a novel in 1934, called The The Two Feelings. And what the novel grapples with, what it asks its readers to grapple with, is how it's possible to have two feelings for two very different kind of men, right? To one of whom the character is married, and the other uh, one is her lover. And she loves them both differently, but profoundly. And it examines both from her perspective and from the perspective of nearly every other character in the novel, the complexities of the affective life, of the, of the life of feelings. Unearthing works that have been lost to history is a slow, deliberate process, but technological innovations of the last few decades have helped, Norad says. The, the process uh, of finding material in Yiddish has changed very dramatically in my lifetime. You know, I would say in, in, in the last 30 years, what I, what I, I'm dating myself now. You know, what I could do 30 years ago is quite different from what I can do now. Still, sometimes low-tech methods serve Norwich best. I actually enjoy doing this. Some people think it's nuts, but I uh, looked at physical card catalogs. There are still physical card catalogs at uh, YIVO, at the Yiddish Research Institute. I uh, wandered the bookcases at the National Yiddish, at the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst. I read literary encyclopedias, that is, I read the indexes of literary encyclopedias to find names of women. And then I looked up what they had written. Uh, I looked up the, the poets that I was most familiar with, because I thought if Molodovsky, who was known as a poet, is also writing novels, I wonder if there are others like that. With all of the impressive works Norwich has stumbled on in her research, one of the challenges is deciding which ones to translate. What one chooses to translate uh, is idiosyncratic. That is, I'm, I'm translating things that I'm interested in. Why am I interested in them? Uh, because, in some cases, because they were written at, at the, in the 30s and 40s, which is a period of Jewish history that I am much concerned with. In some cases, because they were written by wonderful modernist poets, and I want to see how they translate that, how they themselves translate that modernism into prose writings. In some cases, I just like the work. Ultimately, Norwich hopes that by getting as many of these works translated as possible, she and her peers can help expand the canon of Yiddish literature. What does it mean to refer to a canon that uh, includes relatively few of the authors who actually wrote and uh, has no state power behind it, right? I mean, what does it mean to, to say these are the most important writers in Yiddish? when we don't know all of the writers in Yiddish. We may never know all of the writers in Yiddish, but we don't know a vast number of those writers. 
Expanding the canon to include women Norwich notes is something that happened in the American Academy in the 70s, so her colleagues in other areas sometimes find it hard to believe that it hasn't happened yet in Yiddish literature. How is that possible in this day and age? And it's quite possible. So when I say expanding the canon, I mean both questioning what canon means and getting more variety into that world. She also wants, as she puts it, to challenge the relationship between gender and genre. There is absolutely no genre that is particularly appropriate for women. Yiddish critics themselves were often saying this. You know, women write these lovely poems about love and they provide, and and in trying to praise the women, some would say they provide another perspective that the male mind just doesn't have which is both true and condescending, because what they also meant by that was they don't have the broad expanse of social and political knowledge that uh, goes into making uh, novel writing possible. Rather than simply writing about pretty things, Norwich says, these women were asking important questions, ones that are as relevant today as they were a hundred years ago. What does migration mean? How does one acculturate? What does one lose? What does one gain? How do you live in a time of war? How do you love in a time of upheaval or at any time? What is refugee status? What does it mean to be living at a time when sexual mores are changing? These are universal, timeless questions, Norwich says, that get to the very core of what it means to be human. And that hasn't changed that much since you know, since the century ago. You've been listening to Frankly Judaic, a production of the Gene and Samuel Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. The executive producer is Jeffrey Weidlinger. Jen Richler is the lead producer. You can find and subscribe to Frankly Judaic anywhere you get podcasts. And if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening.